Good morning. How y'all doing? Is everybody all right? I'm going to go put this over here just real quick, and then uh, I'll be out of y'all's way. All right? Good. Hey, if you're, uh, you're here for the first time, let me say welcome to you again. I know Ben already said that earlier, but uh, we really are glad that you're here. If you've been here a lot... Um, and, and you've been here a long time, one of the things that we hope that you're already doing is that you're already volunteering somewhere, that you've already found your place of service. Just a couple weeks ago, we had service Sunday here, and so I'm wearing my volunteer t-shirt today. The only thing I don't like about this volunteer t-shirt is the size that I've got and the, this logo. You can kind of tell how curved I am right here. So I either need to lose about 15 pounds or get an extra large. So that's what I need to do. But, but uh, the reason I'm bringing that up is this afternoon at 5 o'clock, if you are a volunteer here doing lots of different things that can be done around here, we're having our volunteer appreciation event. And we're excited about that. And, and I'm telling you that because a lot of you have already RSVP'd and we know you're going to be there. Please come because this is an opera. We want to do this as the staff. We want to do this for you. So, so be there. We're going to have good barbecue. We're going to have games to play, cornhole and volleyball, and you can just hang out, enjoy yourself. The weather's going to be beautiful, like Ben already mentioned. So, uh, so be there this afternoon at five o'clock if you're a if you're a volunteer. If you haven't already RSVP'd and you're a volunteer, just come on anyway. We're probably going to have enough for you. Now, if you come here all the time, let's say this is your church, you've been here for a year or more, and you didn't get an invitation to this because you're not volunteering, what's your problem? All right, it's time to, uh, I'm just, it's time to find something to do, okay? So next Sunday, next, uh, first Sunday of next month, we're going to have service Sunday again, and if you're not doing anything around here, you just show up and you think, okay, I'm going to hear what Cliff has to say, the band sounded good today, and you go home or you go eat Mexican food afterwards. Find a place of service here. This, that's, that's how this really becomes your church, is when you find something to do, some place to be plugged in, something, whether it's, and, and there's just a ton of opportunities. You'll hear about that at our next service Sunday. Also, if you have been coming here for a while, and maybe you're not serving yet, but it's still brand new to you, but you want to know more about this church, and you think maybe you want this church to be your church home, we're going to have partnership class next Sunday afternoon, that's the 28th. That'll be next Sunday afternoon. You can register for that out in the atrium, or you can register for that online. That's a, uh, a one-hour class, and uh, you can find out more about this church than you probably ever wanted to know and decide if this is the church for you to be a part of. So, so go ahead and, and register for that if you haven't done that. If you, uh, if you are here today, which I hope you are if you're listening to me, and you have a Bible with you, go ahead and pull it out. Uh, if you've got a Bible with pages, you can open it up. If you've got one on your phone or your, your tablet or whatever, go ahead and, and turn that on. And go ahead and find First Chronicles chapter 22. That's where we're going to be today. First Chronicles chapter 22. And, uh, and we're going to continue the, the series of messages that we started a couple weeks ago. Now, how many of you were here um, two weeks ago? Raise your hand. <coughs> Excuse me. Raise your hand. All right, good. Um, that, was a, that was when we began this series of messages, and I believe, I still think, that was one of the most significant Sundays in the history of this church because of what we did that day, and we were trying to do what David did in the story. So if you weren't here, or, or if you, if, even if you were, let me catch you up with where we are in the story. If you'll remember, David, we began the story by saying that David was king of Israel at that time. Things had been going great, and, and we, we read in the scripture in First Chronicles 21 where it said that, that David numbered the people of Israel. 
Now, this was a sin in the eyes of God because David was beginning to place his trust not on God, but he was beginning to place his trust on himself. He was beginning to trust how many fighting men he had to continue to to accomplish things that God wanted him to accomplish. And so David was confronted by by the prophet of the the nation, Gad, who who God had told Gad, uh, David is sinning, and and, and David uh, uh, confessed of that sin. He didn't, he didn't try to say it wasn't his fault. He didn't justify it at all. He confessed of that sin. And that began a process that David began to go through. And that's what we did two weeks ago. As a church, we came together and we confessed our sins as a church and where we feel like we've fallen short of what God wants us to be as a church. And I believe just as that began a process for David, that began a process for us as a church. And then, you know, the next part of the story is, David was then told by Gad to go to this guy named Ornan the Jebusite and he was to, to buy a piece of property from Ornan the Jebusite in order to build an altar to worship there. And so that's what we talked about last week. And if you'll remember, last week we said that when he went to Ornan to buy the property, what did Ornan want to do? Ornan wanted to give him the property. And, and David said, no, I'm not going to take it for nothing. He said, I'm not going to offer a sacrifice to God that costs me nothing. And so he paid the full price for the piece of land that, that, that God had, had, had instructed him to go get. And so we talked last week about how in order for David to step up for the nation of Israel, it, it caused it, that he had to have a financial sacrifice. He had to sacrifice for that piece of land. And so as we talked last week, we talked about the fact that, that we're going to build a, a, a facility. We're going to build a permanent building for us to worship in. That's what we want to do. So what's well, not only what we want to do, it's what we believe God has commanded us to do. And in order to do that, it's going to take a financial sacrifice, just like it took a financial sacrifice for David to buy the property to build the altar on. So that brings us all the way to today. And we're going to be in 1 Chronicles 22, verse 1. And today we're going to talk about the fact that that David has already done some significant things to get Israel to this point. But today we're going to see that David wants to do something even more significant. He wants to do something that has a lasting legacy. And we're going to talk today about how we as a church can step up for the next generation. We're going to see how David stepped up for the next generation and how we as a church can step up for the next generation. So look with me at 1 Chronicles 22, starting with verse 1. Remember, David had built the altar, he'd sacrificed, so he'd had a time of worship there at the altar. And then David said, Here shall be the house of the Lord God, and here the altar of burnt offering for Israel. So let me stop right there. Now remember, up until this point in time, the Israelites don't have a permanent place of worship. They don't have a building that they can go to and worship in. They worship in a tabernacle, which is a tent that gets moved around from place to place. And so I've been joking about, but it really is kind of like our situation as a church, where, <clears throat> where we don't have a permanent building. We move our stuff around. We move it in here every Sunday morning. We move it out every Sunday morning. And we move our stuff around and worship at different places. And we don't have a permanent place. And so David wants to build a temple. He wants to build God, uh, to honor God. He wants to build a a place for the Israelites to come and worship and it be a permanent place. And so what happens here in verse 1, we know that he's already bought this land. 
And so he's got the land, it's paid for, and, and he's already built an altar there, and he's already worshipped there. And then all of a sudden, now he says, wait a minute, this is not just the place where I'm going to build this altar, this is the place where we're going to build the temple. This is the place where we're going to build the house of the Lord God and hear the altar of burnt offering for Israel. This is where it will be. And so how did David know? When, what happened that he knew that that was the place? Well, what, did da- what had David just done? He had just sacrificed, right? He had just spent time in worship. And during that time in worship, God had spoken to David and told him, not only is this the place for the altar, this is the place for the house of the Lord. This is the place for the temple. And I want to stop there just for a second. This isn't the main point of today, but I want to stop just for a second and just talk to us as human beings that live in 2014. We read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and we hear these stories about God speaking to people. And, and I think we, we get confused about what that was like. Now, there are times in the Old Testament where God spoke with an audible, out loud voice, just like I'm speaking to you now. There were times when that happened. But when those times are, are happen in the Old Testament, it tells us that God spoke out loud. 99 times out of 100, when you read in the Bible where it says, God spoke to Abraham, God spoke to Moses, God spoke to Samuel, God spoke to Joseph, God spoke to Peter, God spoke to Paul, when it tells all this stuff that God spoke to these people, 99 times out of 100, he spoke to them the exact same way he speaks to us. See, we think when it says God spoke to Abraham and said, move from where you are, we think that Abraham was walking along one day and all of a sudden God said, Abraham, move, get out of where you are now, that kind of a thing. And, and we want God to do that for us. And, and I can remember as a young kid being in church and thinking, man, if God would just speak to me that way, I would know exactly what he wants me to do. But you know, the truth is, <clears throat> the truth is, is that God spoke to them exactly the way he speaks to us. And I think it's important that when we look at this, what was David doing when God spoke to him to tell him that that was the place to put the permanent house of God? David was worshiping. When you come to moments like this today, you need to have your ears open. You need to have your antenna up. You need to be sensitive to what God is speaking to you in your heart because he will speak to you during times of worship just like he spoke to David during a time of worship. And when he does that, you don't need to ignore it. And and because of the nature of the culture we live in today, we need to be more careful than ever that when we come to worship on Sunday mornings or if you go to a worship experience on a Sunday night or on a weeknight or a life group, whatever it is, we need to be more careful than ever that when we're here worshiping on a Sunday morning that we are paying attention because this is probably the only time in your week where you're sitting and not doing anything else but listening to what's going on because I don't even watch, I don't even sit and just watch TV anymore. I used to could sit and just watch TV for four hours straight. You know what I do now if I'm watching a game? I think, oh, there's something I want to know about. And I pull out my iPad and now I'm surfing the web and I'm watching. And then that reminds me of a book I want to read and I'm doing that. And I'm doing about 500 things at once, even during a time when I'm supposed to be relaxing. 
And so take this time this morning. Take the time next Sunday morning and the Sunday morning after that. And when you get here, be ready to hear what it is that God wants you to know because he speaks to us during times of worship just like he spoke to David during this time of worship. So David, so David has this time of worship, and in verse 1 now he says, okay, now I want to build the temple right here. So, so what does David do next? Well, look at verse 2 through 4. It says this. So then David commanded to gather together the resident aliens who were in the land of Israel, and he set stone cutters to prepare dressed stones for building the house of God. David also provided great quantities of iron for nails for the doors of the gates and for clamps, as well as bronze in quantities beyond weighing and cedar timbers without number for the Sidonians and the Tyrians brought great quantities of cedar to David. The next thing that I want you to understand, if we're going to step up for the, for the next generation, we must prepare to step up for the next generation. We must make preparations in order to step up for the next generation. See, David, David had, this, had this thing in his heart that he wanted to do that God told him, this is the place that I want to build the temple. And so David knew, okay, this is just an idea. This is something that sounds like a good thing. But in order for it to happen, somebody needs to take action. In order for this temple to get built, there's going to have to be labor in place. There's going to have to be materials. There's going to have to be stuff going on in order to get ready for that. And so David began to make preparations in order to build the temple of the Lord. It says that, that he, was, he was working behind the scenes even, even before he had made some kind of grand announcement. He was working behind the scenes and he was beginning to get, gather labor and he was beginning to, to get people from other countries to bring him what he needed, the stuff that they didn't have there in Israel, the raw materials, and he was preparing to build the house of the Lord. Now, we talked last week about one of the things that we have to do to prepare to build this, this uh, building we want to build is we have to collect money. And so we started talking about that last week, and we set a goal, and I'm going to remind you of what that goal was in just a minute. But I don't want you to think that that's the only thing we need to do as a church in order to get ready to build a building and to move into a permanent worship facility. There's a lot of other things we need to be doing. One of the things we need to be doing is we need to be praying. Every day we need to be praying. Because the, here's what can happen with this building. Because I've seen it happen at other churches and, and it just, it's, just, it's just natural that this would happen. What can happen is, is the moment we get that new building built and we get in that building, the natural thing that can happen is we're going to kind of take a deep breath and go, all right, now we're a real church. We've had a staff. That's what real churches have. We've had a copy machine. We could make our own copies. Real churches have that. We've had some events. Real churches have that. The only thing we got left that we need is a building. And then once we get that building, it'll be easy for us to say, all right, now we can all relax. Those of us that have been showing up early every Sunday morning and setting stuff up, oh, man, I can sleep in now. Maybe I'll sleep all the way in and not even show up, you know, whatever. And so it would be easy for us to, to once we get the building, to, to think that, that we don't have to do anything else. So, so in order for us to prepare before that, we need to be praying. We need to be praying about what, what our role will be. We need to be praying about what God wants to do by using that facility. We need to be doing things like continuing to invite people to church. You don't need to wait until, well, once we get a building, Cliff, then I'm going to really start inviting my friends. No, you need to be 
be inviting them now. All of us in here, we all know people who aren't in church. We all know people who need to hear the gospel. What are we waiting for? We need to invite them to be here with us next Sunday morning. We need to offer to go pick them up if they need a ride or take them out to lunch after the service is over. And we don't need to wait on that. So there's lots of preparations that we can be doing in the meantime before we begin to build this building. A lot more than just collecting money. So what does David do next? So he's making preparations. And then let's look at verse 5 and see what happens next. For David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent of fame and glory throughout all lands. I will therefore make preparation for it. So David provided materials in great quantity before his death. Now let's stop here just a second. I was talking earlier about we're stepping up for the next generation. But up to this point, all I've been talking about is David. And now you know why I'm talking about the next generation. Because now for the first time in this story, we see that David is saying, I'm preparing this not for me to build the temple, but I'm preparing this because my son, Solomon, is going to build the temple. And David was sacrificing his own money to buy the piece of land, first of all, for a building that he was not going to build, for a building he was not going to be able to worship in, but he gave the money for it. And then David was doing the hard work of gathering materials, of getting together labor, for a building that he was not ever going to be able to worship in. But he was doing that so that he could set up his son to have success. And then you see there in verse 6, he calls his son Solomon to come to him. Then he called for Solomon, his son, and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. And then go on to verse 7. David said to Solomon, My son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name, because you have shed so much blood before me on the earth. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. Now, here's the big thing that I want you to know today. If you don't write anything else down on your notes page there, I want you to write this down because this is, what, this is what this day is all about. This is what I want us to think about. To step up for the next generation, we should desire what God desires. To step up for the next generation, we should desire what God desires. What was it that David wanted? It's right there in verse 7. What was it that David wanted? He says, My son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. David had done great things. David is still to this day probably considered the greatest king of Israel. David had won battles that he had no business winning. He had established the nation of Israel in a permanent place. They, they now had a place and, and they had fought off all the people who wanted to take their land from them. 
He had done all of these amazing things, but the one thing that he had left that he wanted to do, the one thing that he wanted to do more than anything else because he knew it would be a lasting legacy is he wanted to build the temple of the Lord. Because up till now, so much of what he had done were, were type kind of political things or geographical things. And he was establishing nations and he was, he was taking over land. But he wanted to do something that was of spiritual significance. He wanted to build the temple of the Lord. That was what his desire was. That was what he had in his heart to do. And then that was what the confession time, that was what the, the buying of the land, all of that was leading up to that. And then when he gets to the point where he knows he's going to have an opportunity to buy the land, I mean, to, to, to build the temple, God tells him, it's not my plan for you to build the temple. David, your desire is to build the temple, but as God, my desire is for something else to happen. My desire is for your son to build the temple. And see, this is a significant moment. Don't miss how important this is. Because right at this moment, David has a choice to make. David has to choose and he has to decide, am I going to desire the things that God desires or am I going to do what comes natural and I'm going to desire what's in my heart and I'm going to chase after the thing that's in my heart. And here's what I want you to understand. Pay real close attention to this. All of us have that same choice to make and I'm not just talking about building this building. All of us have that same choice to make day in and day out. No matter what, whether you go to school or go to work or you're unemployed right now and looking for work or whatever it is, whatever your situation is, whoever you are, whatever your situation is, every day you have to make a choice. You have to make a decision. Am I going to go do the things that I desire to do or am I going to go do the things that God desires for me to do? And David had to make that choice and we have to make that choice every day. And let me tell you, that's a hard choice to make because of the fact that what comes natural to us is to be selfish. Am I the only one that just is naturally selfish? Aren't we naturally selfish? When, when you have a baby, do you have to teach a baby to take things for themselves or do you have to teach a baby to share? You have to teach babies to share because babies, one of the first words they learn is mine. And they want to gather all the little blocks up and hold them and they don't want anybody else to take them. And sometimes they'll even bust people upside the head for trying to take it. You didn't teach them that. There's not a one of you in here that thought, I'm going to teach my kid to hit another kid if they try to take their stuff. You don't have to teach them that. We come into the world selfish. It's called our sin nature. That when we come into this world, we're broken and we come into the world broken by sin. And so one of the things that happens is we begin to want what we want, when we want it, in the package we want it in. And so if you look at our lives, if you look at, I believe that 99% of sin and maybe 100% of sin, that at its core root is selfishness, adultery. What's that about? Well, it's about sex, Cliff. Well, yeah, it is. But you know what? It's even further if you go further down. It's about selfishness. I see that and I want that and I'm going to have that and I don't care who it hurts or who I have to hurt to get it. Gossip. What's that about? That's about selfishness. I want to know the inside scoop. I want to tell the inside scoop. I like to, I love it when bad things happen to other people and I want to share that. That's all about selfishness. Gluttony. Yes, I went there. Gluttony. All right. We're going to be real right here today. I already told you I got about 15 pounds I need to lose. When I sit down and I eat three pieces of pie instead of no pieces of pie or only one piece of pie, why am I doing that? It tastes good and I want some more of that. Give it to me because it makes me feel good. What's that about? It's about selfishness. 
See, when, when our, our, all right, here, here's, here's, the, here's the way I can explain it to you. The other day, the iPhone 6 came out. How many, how many already have the iPhone 6? Who's the early adopters in here? All right, y'all are awesome. I'm jealous of you. I still got the iPhone 4. And uh, so, so you got the iPhone 6. Now, whether it's the iPhone 6 or whatever phone you get, whatever it is, every phone that you get, when you get it, it's already got things set on there. Those are called the default settings. Or if you live where we live, it's the default settings. So you get that iPhone 6, and it's got the default settings on there. And, and so it's already got a, it's got a certain ringtone. It's got a certain sound it's going to make for text. And, and it's got a certain background on it. It's got all that stuff. It comes out of the box that way. Now, you can choose to just leave it with the default settings if you want to. But chances are, most all of you have already, you've already changed all that stuff. And in order for you to change the default settings, it took action on your part. You had to make a decision. I'm going to change this. I'm going to go in and find the ringtone I like. Or I'm going to download a, a cool ringtone like, you know, some rock song or something and make that my ringtone. And, and so, you, so you change that. Our default setting as human beings is selfishness. That's the way we come into the world. And, for, and so, so if we're left to our own devices and with no outside influence, we are always going to choose what we want. But if we're going to do like David had to choose to do, if we're going to instead choose to do what God desires for us to do, then there needs to be action. And the action has already been taken. Jesus dying on the cross was the action that had to take place that allows us now to not just be selfish, but the grace of God that we can now trust in the blood of the cross. We can trust that what Jesus did on the cross was for us. And by trusting in that, now we can take our default setting, our sinful setting, and that can be transformed. And now we can begin to desire what God desires. We can begin to choose now. Now I have a choice. I can choose to desire the things that God desires because he's given me that ability by transforming my life with his grace. And so David is, is faced with that. He's faced with that opportunity. He's faced with the opportunity now to choose what it is that God wants him to choose. And, and, and this is a big deal that David chose to allow Solomon to build the temple. And here's one reason why it's such a big deal. Look at verse 8. Look at the reason God gives David for why he can't build the temple. Remember, David said, I've got it in my heart. It's in my heart. This is what I want to do more than anything else. And then verse 8, God says, But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name because you have shed so much blood before me on the earth. You know what, if I was David, I would have wanted to say, and maybe David wanted to say, I shed a lot of blood? Whose idea was that, God? You're the one that kept sending these people to fight me. I did all of this for you. And you know, David probably could have said, I mean, he, if he wanted to, he could have just cleared off a, a spot, pitched a fit, stamped his feet and shaken his fist at God and saying, I was minding my own business. 
I was just a shepherd. I was the last dude thought about in my family. You came and found me, God. You made me into a warrior. You're the one that set up these battles for me to fight. This is all because of you. Yes, I shed a bunch of blood. It's because you put me in the position to shed the blood. And yeah, you're saying my son is going to be a man of rest. Guess why he's a man of rest? Because I've already done all the fighting for him. He doesn't have to fight anymore. How come I don't get to build the temple, God? This is what I want to do, and I did the hard work. I should do it because I deserve it. Don't you think that's what David wanted to say? I know that's what David wanted to say because that's what I want to say to God sometimes. And that's what you want to say to God sometimes. That when all of a sudden you think this is, you've done all this, you've set this thing up and you want it to be this certain way and then God comes in and says, no, I'm going to let someone else take that. I'm going to let someone else take the benefit of your hard work and I'm going to let someone else get the, the benefit of that. We want to say, no, 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 that's not fair because I did it. I deserve it. But again, we see the maturity of David. Just like we saw the maturity of David when God was, he was confronted by his sin, he confessed, instead of pitching a fit, instead of telling God, no, I'm, I'm, I deserve to build this, he begins to prepare and he begins to make sacrifices so that his son can build the temple. David sacrificed for the next generation. He gave up his own desires for what God desired for him. See, building this building that we're talking about building, it's going to require great sacrifice from us. And chances are we're not going to get to experience all the benefits of it maybe. But we need to decide that we're going to sacrifice that for somebody else, for our sons and our daughters and our grandsons and our granddaughters. I told you last week that that we need $400,000 in cash by May to begin building, which is we want to begin building in May. And then I told you the good news that we've already got a good bit of that on hand, and we've got, so now we only need $309,000 cash on hand. And then I told you the really good news that we've already got that. It's just all in our checkbooks, and we just need to give it. And y'all laughed at that, but I was being serious. But so, so all we need is $309,000 by May to build this building. But that's not the only sacrifice because is the building going to cost $309,000? No, it's going to be about $1.7 million. So where's that other going to come from? Well, guess what? we got to sacrifice for that too. How many of y'all own houses? Raise your hand if you're a homeowner. Be proud. You pay taxes, all right? When you moved in, did they say, hey, this is yours. You don't have, we're going to come by and fix it for you later. You don't have to do anything else. No. It's your responsibility, isn't it? You've got to fix it up. You've got to pay that note every month or they'll come kick you out. You've got to pay the taxes on it. You've got to pay the insurance on it. Stuff has to be done. You have to make a sacrifice as a homeowner. Well, if we're going to build a permanent home for this church, we're going to have to make sacrifices as homeowners. And it would be easy for us to look at that and say, man, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to make that sacrifice. And you might start looking at what it's going to cost to build, and you might start looking at the goal for May, and you might say, man, Cliff, if I give what you're talking about giving, that's going to get in the way of some vacations for me. Or, Cliff, you don't understand, i got this serious Starbucks addiction. I'm in there like twice a day. I'm spending like 12 bucks a day at Starbucks, and I can't give that up for this church. You want me to give up that for this church? I mean, I could go on and on and on. There's all kind of things that we could start to look at and think, I don't want to give that up 
for this church. I don't want to make an adjustment to the way I spend my money because I want what I want when I want it in the package I want it in. But we believe, as the leadership of this church, we believe that it's God's desire for us to build this permanent building. It's not something we made up. We believe it's something God's commanded us to do. And in order for that to be done, we need to give up some of our own desires and then to focus on what it is that God desires for us to do. So David is making an an unbelievably mature and wise decision here. And then go to verse 11. So he talks to his son here. So he's already decided he's going to give up his desire, he's going to go with God's desire, and he's going to try to set Solomon up for success to build the temple. And he says this, Now my son, the Lord be with you, so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord your God as he has spoken concerning you. Only may the Lord grant you discretion and understanding that when he gives you charge over Israel, you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes and the rules that the Lord commanded Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Fear not. Do not be dismayed. See, when we step up, we set the example for the next generation. When we step up, we set the example for the next generation. David was setting an example for his son. This is how you operate, son. Sometimes there are things you want to do, but God has a different idea, and you go and you do what God wants you to do. Son, that's the way that you live this life. And then he begins to, he begins to give Solomon his blessing, which is another way that we know that David wasn't holding back and he wasn't pitching a fit about not getting his way because then he says, not only am, am, I, am I okay with the fact that I don't get to build this temple, but I'm also going to tell you that I hope that you do it better than anyone else has ever done it, and I know that you can. Be strong and courageous. Fear not. Do not be dismayed. You will succeed in building the house of the Lord of Lord your God. And then he begins to give him some advice. And this is hard-earned advice from David because you know the story of David. David didn't always follow the rules and the statutes of the Lord. And so David says to his son, listen, I've learned this the hard way and you learn from my pain. If you want this thing to be successful, you follow the commands of God. We have an opportunity as a church to do something so that we can show our sons and we can show our daughters this is the way church works. You don't just show up, but you sacrifice. It's a part of who you are. When uh, I told you the other last week that, that we started this church 10 years ago, which is hard for me to believe. So that means my oldest daughter... Uh, Emily, who's, who's off at college, was 10 years old when we started. And uh, my youngest daughter, uh, Grace, uh, she was four years old when we started. And the thought of, of, of doing that, when we got ready to start this church, I was on staff at a, a great church, an established church, and my oldest daughter, in a couple years, she was going to be a teenager and be able to do youth things and My youngest daughter was going to be in the children's ministry, and I remember getting ready to start the church, and one of the things I was concerned about was, 
I'm going to pull them out of that, and we don't have anything at this church. We don't have a youth ministry. We don't have children's ministry. We don't have anything. And what's going to happen to my kids? They're going to suffer for what God's called me to do because they're not going to get the benefit of these great things that you can have at these big established churches. And I was really concerned about that. But let me tell you, being in this now 10 years and looking back, you know what my children have learned about church? They've learned that church is hard work. They've learned that church is more than just putting on fancy clothes driving, sitting down on a pew, getting up and going back home and not thinking or talking about it again until the next Sunday morning. They've learned that if you're going to really do church, that you have to sacrifice. They've learned that people have to get up early, early, early on Sunday mornings and be gone before other people wake up. They've learned that sometimes you have to work late into the night. They've seen all of that, and they understand now that church is about sacrifice. And we have an opportunity for our kids to understand that when you build a building at a church, you do it a certain way. And you do it in a way that glorifies God. And you talk about it in a way that we understand that this building is going to be there not for us, not to make us comfortable, not so we can have padded pews to sit our butts on when we come to church on Sunday morning, not that we can have all that stuff, but we do it so that we can reach every man, woman, teenager, child, baby, everybody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That they can hear the message and they can have an opportunity to respond. So my question for you today is, are you ready to make that sacrifice? Are you ready to step up, not for yourself, but for the next generation? If I told you today that we needed to collect $400,000 or $1.5 million by May, and it was for a building that you would never enter, It was for a building that you would never get to walk in the door of. You would never get to sit down and and sing and listen to a message. You would never be able to see it built. But that it would be for your sons and your daughters and your grandsons and your granddaughters. Would you be willing to do it? Because that's what David did. He died before the temple was built. He never worshipped in it. But he collected the materials for it. He bought the land for it. He organized the labor for it. He gave his son the blessing to build it. And we have an opportunity to do that for our kids and our grandkids. Before I pray, there's three three words that I want you to think about, and I want you to write these three words down. Three things we need to be doing. The first one is pray. I said that earlier. But I want you to pray every day for this church. Pray every day about what your role is in this church. The second is give. And I'm talking about money. We're going to have to give. Give to future development and continue to give to the regular budget. Because if we give all our money to future development, we don't get to do Halloween hoopla. We'll have a nice building, but we won't be reaching out to anybody. And that will be a tragedy. And then the third one is teach. 
teach your kids about the nature of sacrifice. Teach your kids that sometimes mommy and daddy don't do, don't buy, don't go the place that they want to go because they are making a sacrifice so that they can do something bigger and more important for what God wants to do. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to go home. And as you do, just continue to pray about what your place is and how you're going to be involved in the future of this church. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the example of David. Thank you for his sacrifice, his blessing that he gave to his son. Help us to live sacrificially and help us to bless our children. And every day we struggle with choosing what to do, where to go, how to react. And I pray that this week that we would allow the grace that you have already given us to overtake our lives and that we would choose the things that you want and not the things that we want. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.